Hey everyone, welcome to Into the Water. Today's episode is still about the Israelites. On my last episode, I spoke on them crossing the Jordan and going into the promised land. That really excited me. It it spoke of faith. It spoke of them stepping into the water, which is where my podcast name comes from, and doing what God told them to do. He told them to do something, and because they obeyed, he was in the midst of it, and it worked. It showed what he can do. He literally parted the waters for them. They walked across the Jordan on dry grounds whenever the Jordan at that time was at flood stage. There's no way that could have happened in a natural sense. It had to be God. And so my my thinking is, I want to go back to the beginning. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. And my question is, why did it take so long? But some may say that, you know, that was just God's plan. But I believe that God wanted them to be into the promised land within days. The actual trip should have only took 11 days from Egypt. And it took them 40 years. Does that not raise a question to anybody? And so I just kind of started studying them a little bit. And the one thing that I noticed, or two things actually, was complaining and doubt, which to me runs hand in hand also with pride. So the Israelites, they complained before they even crossed the Red Sea. But... They, it took them, within three days, they were complaining to Moses about them being in the desert. God had brought them out of slavery and was bringing them to the promise that was promised to Abraham years before. And within three days, they were complaining. I could probably go on so many rabbit holes on uh, generational thinking, you know, learning from your parents and everything, but... At the same time, God had just brought them across the Red Sea and showed what he could do. So, but we are here now and the Bible is our, it's, it's our map. We should be learning from it. And so we should be learning from what they did so we can apply it to our life. And that is one thing that these days I find we don't do a lot. We say we go to church, you know, I'm a good person, I do this, I do that, but and being a good person is great, but are you really doing and being led by what God says? Are you really applying all the principles of faith? That's the thing. It's principles of faith and We kind of dance around the word. You know, it's pretty black and white, but we make it gray. And it's either, we've been talking a little bit on this at church, and it's one of my favorite subjects, 
is in Galatians 5, it talks about the spirit and the flesh roaring against each other. Like, you can't have both. You either have or leading after the spirit or the flesh. And for, I will kind of talk about that because that is one of my favorite subjects. Um, it helps correct me. It helps me recognize whenever I'm kind of stepping out of bounds. It, it helps me. The word says in um, Psalms 139 that he helms you in on all sides. And looking at the word, there's a lot of blessings that come with the promise. You know, there's a lot of promises and blessings, but there's a lot of correction. And that shouldn't be looked at as a bad thing. Correction is good. It is character building and it is actually very freeing. Whenever you're hemmed in by God, you know you can walk in peace and you know that you can walk um, in a joyful manner no matter what the circumstance. You know that he's for you. And if God is for you, then nobody, you know, who can be against you? It doesn't matter what the circumstance looks like. Just like with the Israelites, they're in the wilderness and they're thirsty. I get that. But like I said, we should be learning from them. God, even. Even in their circumstance, even after all the complaining, and I, I, I really want to go over a lot of the complaining that did because it can be really applied to our life and we can really learn from it. But I want to say this, even through all the complaining and they almost got to go into the promised land and they grumbled and complained because of the giants they were about to have to face. And that's another rabbit hole I'd love to go down right now, but the God sent them back into the promise, uh, back into the desert, and even after they complained and disobeyed Him, He still took care of them. He is a faithful God, and they were His people. And He had made a promise to Abraham and saying that He was going to be the father of many nations. And these people were the descendants of Abraham, and God is faithful to His promises. He is faithful and he will do what he says. But we have a part to play. And we cannot just be sitting around and saying, uh, what, once we go to church and we hear a word and it doesn't seem like it applies to us right off the bat, like it doesn't seem like it's working for us, we start to complain. And... Sometimes when we sometimes we get excited about hearing the word. We say, Oh yes, that that's for me, that's for me, that's gonna work for me. And when we don't hear it, see it happen right off the bat, what do we do? We get discouraged. And you know what happens sometimes? We start looking back. That's something that uh God kind of reminded me of this morning. He reminded me a lot's wife and what happened. God was saving them from the disaster and taking them to somewhere safe and somewhere better. And But she still had this desire to go back, to look back. God said, don't look back. But she looked back at the disaster happening behind her. And she got turned into a pillar of salt. 
the Israelites kept on complaining about the situation they were in right now. And it made them want to go back to slavery because they had uh, the Egypt. Yeah, they had to work hard. The Egyptians gave them meat and they had food and a place to stay. And now they were in the wilderness for a couple of days going to the promised land and they were complaining and they wanted to go back. They started thinking backwards. They started thinking backwards. And I was like, that's real good. Like, that's a good word. Because sometimes it gets hard in the situation we're in right now, and we want to look back. We want to go back to the old ways because they're com- you're comfortable. You're content. It's a, it's a familiar feeling. And changes can be scary. But we don't need to be complaining. Uh, easier said than done sometimes, but when that starts happening, we need to recognize it for what it is. Whenever thoughts start coming up that makes us want to think negatively against God's promises, we need to recognize them for what it is. The word says to, um, what is it? It says pretty much that we should capture those thoughts. When those thoughts come up, we need to recognize them, capture them, and we need to replace them. The enemy tries to bring in lies, saying it just like Adam and Eve. God had told them they were in the perfect setting. They had no worries. They had all the food, everything they needed. I'm sure the temperature was perfect. They didn't have to deal with a bunch of rain. You know, it, it got to walk around in the sunshine all day. And But the only thing that God asked them not to do was to eat from this one tree. And of course, Satan was there and tempted them. They they should have said no. They, sh- they should have had willpower, but it was a little thought that he planted in Eve's head. And Adam came up and he should have had his own willpower to say no, had self-control, but he followed after Eve. And... um I'm not blaming one person or another. I know we say, oh, it's the man's fault. It's the woman's fault. At the end of the day, we all have our own uh, willpower in us. We have a choice to say no. But it was just a thought. And they forgot about all the the rest of the good. They just, they Satan just planted this one thought and it grew. And now look at us. But I kind of lost train of thought right there. Back to the complaining. If you look through what the Israelites, the complaining that they did. In Philippians 4 or Philippians 2, 14 through 15, it says this. It says to do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. To do everything without grumbling and arguing. The Israelites complained. We find ourselves complaining in our situations on the daily. I know that we are humans. I know that it is easy to do. But... 
The word is our sword. It is how we stay on the offense to Satan. We have a lot. The armor of God states a lot of attributes. You know, we have the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, and all those are to defend us. But the word keeps us on the offense. It keeps us hemmed in, as the word says. Satan, or I mean, God hems us in on each side. It keeps us hemmed in. It keeps us focused. And whenever I think of hemmed in, I also think of the straight, narrow path. He keeps us on a path that is, it looks different than the world. There's a lot of things that we have to, that we need. We don't have to. God doesn't force us. But he keeps us in a place where we stay lined up with him. And truthfully, that looks completely different than the world. People look at us and say, that's weird that you do this, that you think this way. But that's okay. It's okay to be different. Because when you stay hemmed in, like I said, if God is for us, then who can be against us? The word says in Deuteronomy 28 and several other places, if you obey me, this is what I'll do for you. And Deuteronomy 28 also says, if you don't obey me, this is what will happen. And what do we see a lot throughout the, uh, the world? There's a lot of destruction, a lot of strife, a lot of division and we have a choice ourselves. We do not, we're not in charge of any other person but ourselves. You can't blame any other person. Eventually, you have to come and make a choice to be responsible for your own actions in your life. And admit, ask for forgiveness where you're wrong in areas. Read Galatians 5. See what is says the sinful nature is, what the flesh desires. And go ahead and see what the spirit looks like. And see, and it says that the flesh or the spirit, sinful nature and the spirit cannot coexist. We can be saved, but as we grow in God, we have to grow. We don't want to stay newborn babies, just feeding on milk. Eventually, you want to feed on meat. And that takes growth. That takes consistency in the Lord. If you really want to see some things happen in your life, choose to grow. Choose to uproot the things that hinder you, which is the sinful nature, and allow the spirit to take hold. That's where I was going. That's the subject that I love to study. So, I know that I was speaking on Israelites at the beginning, but this is a big deal to understand who you really are. Israelites were God's people, and they were chosen to go back into the promised land where God had, it was flown with milk and honey and grapes I mean, they were huge. They had one grape. It took, like I think, four people to carry one grape. He had 
so much for them. And he was going to protect them. He was going to be with them. And they were going to be overtake, be able to overtake every giant. And honestly, some people say that those giants were there just farming the land and taking care of it until the Israelites got there. You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't found that in the word, but I can see where that, you know, that that could be. But we have a choice to believe God and us as a person, we, if you are saved and you have asked God into your heart, you are a child of God. I mean, and it says we are in this world, but we are not of this world. So I want to explain something that has helped me understand who I am. We are actually a three-part person. We are a spirit being enclosed in a fleshly body that's how our spirit is able to stay here and we have a soul and this is the way it was explained to me and it makes so much sense so our spirit is who we are it's we are daughters and sons of god and he lives inside of us and that that's who we are that and that that's and then, well, let me make sure I explain this right. We have the spirit, the soul, the mind, will, and emotion, actually. that I'm sorry, I explained that wrong. The spirit is there, and our soul, our mind, will, and emotion is how, is how we, is it, that determines which way we're going to go. We want to be led by the, to the spirit. Like I said in Galatians 5, the spirit is of God. Uh, spirit, fruits of the spirit is peace, love, joy, all of those. But we tend to get our flesh is our body. It's it's how it's everything here on earth. It's what we touch, what we see, everything. And we want to be led by the spirit, but of course, we see everything here. But we want to die to the flesh. And let the spirit take over more. The world, the world's views and the way they do things is so different than what the spirit would. We want to react in anger, but God says, no, we're going to walk this out in love. We want to be bitter and resentful. And God said, no, we're going to walk this out in love and we're going to walk in peace. We're going to choose peace. Actually, let me go to Galatians 5. Y'all bear with me. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and read the scripture. So, Galatians 5. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Well, that's good, because that goes back to what uh, the Israelites were in slavery, and they wanted to go back, but they were free, technically, because God was there with them. 
Verse 2, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets him... Okay, we're going to go down to... Let's start in verse 7. Galatians 5, 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In the case of offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they could go the whole way in. Okay, emasculate themselves. That verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbors as yourselves. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that... You are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So, if you are led by the Spirit, which is in contrary to the flesh, if you are led by the Spirit, you will not be led by the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what I was getting at is our flesh wants to do so much. We want to give in and just say, you know, they don't, we don't. There's a lot of times we don't want to be hemmed in. It's just easier to follow after the flesh because it's here in the natural sense. Uh, there's feelings, you know, whenever the fits of rage come up, you just want to lash out. But we want to be led by the Spirit because God works through the Spirit. That is where He lives. God is love. That's scriptural. And it says the, the, first, spirit, the first fruit of the Spirit is literally love. I want to point this out. It talks about how joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. The last one is self-control. To me, love and self-control, that's so important that those are placed the way they are on the fruits. Because it takes self-control. It takes you recognizing that you do have self-control and actually acting in it. It takes you taking the initiative and choosing to let all these fruits develop in your life. And as you develop these fruits in your life, you will see how it is, how 
easier it is and how God is working in your life. And you won't even want to walk by the flesh. I mean, sometimes you may want to, but you just recognize it. And I think it gets easier and easier. And another scripture that I've been like just focused on. And to me, it relates to this scripture about love and self-control. It says that God said that he did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. See, again, love and self-control. The Israelites had all everything they needed. God was with them, leading them. They over, I mean, they overtook giants before they even got to the promised land. And they still had fear to go into the promised land. But in the scripture, God shows us that we do not have the spirit of fear. Yes, there may be a feeling that comes up and you may get scared. But we have to remember that the scripture is our word. We have to look at the promises. And just as God showed, God promised Abraham that this would happen, that he would have many nations come after him. God has promised us so much. And when we come to a circumstance, there's going to be pressure sometimes to want to look back, to want to act in anger or be jealous, you know, act in the flesh, as Galatians 5 points out some of these. But we have to choose to remember God's promises, that he's for us. And that takes self-control just as that's one of the spirit, uh, one of the fruits of the spirit, it takes self control to walk out all of these. And just as in Second Timothy one seven it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. It takes self control to walk all this out in love. And to me, that is one of the things we're missing, and seeing a lot of prayers answered is to remember daily that we have to show self-control. That is our part in the equation. That's our part to see answered prayers, to see the blessings of God really flourish in our life. Because it takes self-control, love, and that's where the power comes. To me, that's, that's just something that's so important to notice that, the, yes, God has given us power, God has given us blessings, but we have to remember to do our part daily. And not that we won't fail sometimes, not that we won't stumble, but thank God, God shows us mercy and grace. And, but we need to be learning when we stumble. We need to be learning from the Israelites, not to complain, but to be thankful in all circumstances. And instead of complaining, they probably should have, could have gone to God directly. But no, they chose to complain about their circumstance. So let's not complain. Let's look at the word. Let's keep reminding ourselves of what his promises is. And let's see. Let's, let's let him show us what he can do just as he showed the Israelites what he could do for them.